Ephesians chapter 1. This is one of, and I'm jumping right into it, four letters that Paul wrote from prison in Rome. Uh, those being the book of Colossians, Philippians, Philemon, and here the book of Ephesians. And Paul says this, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us, and there is our theme for this entire book. He chose us in him, in Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, there's a ton there, and we're not even going to get all into uh, that. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty much going to just stick to verse 1 today uh, as we get into this. I'm endeavoring to take my time as we go through uh, this epistle, uh, and uh, and there's a lot in here for us to see. Paul wrote this, this epistle. Epistle's just a, a, a fancy name for a letter. Uh, Paul wrote this letter about 62 AD. AD. He wrote it 10 years uh, after he had planted this church. Uh, again, while he was in prison in Rome. Um, and um, if you were with us when we went through the book of Acts, uh, what we saw in Acts chapter 19 is that Paul established the church in Ephesus on his second missionary journey. Um, And what happened was Paul was in Corinth and a guy named Apollos was in Ephesus and Paul was ministering there in Corinth. Now, Apollos, he's, he's not an apostle. He's just a regular guy. He's just a guy being faithful to disciple. And he was there. He started this work in Ephesus, just, just ministering the gospel to a handful of men, 12 men. Um, and, uh, and again, n- no one special, just a guy who, who knew the word and was faithful to disciple. And, and it's comforting to me as I read through, uh, as we went through and studied through the book of Acts, just to, to consider Apollos and consider the work that pa- Apollos did in Ephesus, because what happened is we saw there that, that he didn't have it all together. I mean, he knew the word and he knew <clears throat> to, to teach and he, and he took the initiative to do it. Um, but we read that there was a guy named Aquila along with his wife Priscilla, uh, again in, in Acts chapter 19, and, and they saw Apollos ministering and, and basically they encouraged him and, and talked to him about you know, the work that he was doing and what he was teaching. And they said to him, Hey, listen, in effect, basically, what they said to him was, um, what you're teaching is good, but, but there's more that you need to know. And so they took him and they instructed him uh, in additional knowledge that, that Apollos needed to, to know. Now, that encourages me tremendously. Here's why. And I, and I hope it's an encouragement for you. Apollos didn't know it all. And yet he took the initiative to go out and serve. And a lot of us, were intimidated. We think, you know what, I can't go to Awana and teach the kids, you know, memory verses because, because I don't know all the verses myself. Well, you don't have to. 
You just have to, to, to share what you already know, whatever that is. You know, and, and so this is what Paul was doing. He didn't, or Apollos was doing. He didn't know everything. He just knew something. And so he was imparting the something that he did know to people who didn't know. He was pouring into them. And the encouragement for us is that, that we're called to do the exact same thing. That we're just called to be faithful. You know, and, and so for us, it's not a matter of, hey, I... Gosh, I'm teach a, a home Bible study and, and, and step up, be a leader in, in that group or be a co-leader or, or be, being a host in a Bible study or whatever. It, it, I, I can't do that. That's a, that's a, that's a huge hurdle to, to clear. No, it's not. Just, just share what you can share. Just be faithful to participate. I, you know what? I can be a co-leader. I can come alongside. I can assist someone. I can, I can just be faithful to you know, share what I can. I can take notes in Sunday service, and I can be faithful to just share the things that God's showing me with the people that God brings into my life. I can just prayerfully say, you know what, Lord? You tell me that I, that I need to be one that, that makes disciples. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. And, and, and the Lord does. He says that. This is his great commission. It's given to all of us. We all have the responsibility. And so, you know, we're like, I can't. Be, who am I to, to start, you know, sharing the word with, with someone? What if they ask me a question that I can't answer? Here's what you say. You say, you know what? That's a good question. I'll, I'll have to get back to you on that. I don't know. And then you go find out, and then you come back, and you go, you know what, I researched your question, and, and here's the answer. <coughs> Excuse me, I, I brought something back from uh, the Philippines, other than my, uh, my facial hair, so I'm kind of a little under the weather today. So, you know, the thing is, we don't have to have it all together. Apollos didn't have it all together. We don't have to have it all together. I just take notes on Sunday and I just be faithful to, hey, Lord, give me opportunity to share the things that you show me. Be faithful just to share my testimony with people. Just be faithful to serve in the capacity that, 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 that you've given to me. So Apollos didn't have it all together and yet he started this work. Again, the, that, the, the big idea, really the big idea of this entire book is that everyone matters in the body of Christ. God chose us. He, he loves us. He, he chose us. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Again, Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Here's that great commission. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That's a comfort. Jesus has commanded us to do something and he says, you know what? And I'm with you. And I'm never going to leave you. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Elsewhere, he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And the Lord has promised to go with us, to be with us. We can take the initiative to say, Lord, I'll be faithful to, to step out and do what, whatever it is. Everyone matters in the body of Christ. God chose us. And so the issue is, just are we going to be faithful in that? And so what happened there, again, we read, we're going through the history here and 
Apollos did this work, and, and now Paul comes into the region, and, and he finds 12 men who, whom Apollos had discipled, and, and now he begins building on them. And, and we read again in the book of Acts that he baptized them and that he began the process of planting the church. Now, um, can I just tell you, that's the exact same process that we follow. That is the exact same process that we follow, that, that we, you know, we're just faithful to continue the work that, that God does. And we're just open to see, hey, what is it that God is doing? And where is God working? And he uses godly people to do a work. And then he invites us to maybe come alongside and participate in that work. And in fact, that's exactly what happened in the Philippines, where this this uh, this this catastrophe took place this typhoon hit there was devastation and god just just quietly but 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 very much uh pointedly told me hey listen you need you need to be involved in this we need to do something about this and and so you know we had the opportunity to respond and while we were there um there was a group of people that were being discipled uh by an existing church um, and what happened is when we went there, we recognized, just as Paul going to this region recognized, hey, here's 12 men that Apollos has faithfully ministered to. They need to be baptized into Jesus Christ. The exact same thing happened to us on this trip. We went on this trip, and the, and the Lord ministered to, to us, and, and really through Pastor Darius having the initial just hearing of the Lord, saying, now here's a group of people being baptized or being discipled, they need to be baptized. And, and so we stepped out and did that. I'm going to show you a video at the end, but I want to show you a clip from it now uh, because we had a great privilege of conducting a baptism. Check it out. You know what a blessing it is? To be able to be here with you guys, to have a service like we had this morning, and then for Darius to get a word from the Lord about a baptism that needed to take place, and then Ted to get a word from the Lord that there was a young man named Roly that needed to be able to raise his hand and say, I want to be baptized. And the Lord, how good is the Lord to be able to have all these people come to the baptism of the day in front of all their friends, exactly family, right. and be able to say, yeah. I'm going to live for Jesus. That's exactly I right. love Jesus, That's man. Right. That's what it's all about, baby. I missed That's that. I missed that. <laughs> this is amazing grace. It was, it was amazing. You know, here we were there, and, and really, you know, the Lord gave Darius this word, and, uh, and, and, and so, you know, I went to Jerry, and I said, hey, man, listen, the Lord has given Darius discernment, uh, and uh, he's heard from the Lord. I can confirm that, and so this is something the Lord wants to do, 
He's all right. So we addressed the church, and only one person, you saw that little old lady that got that, that baptized, and, and she was the only one who raised her hand to be baptized. And, and so uh, several, you know, invitations. Okay, you know, you know, just asking the church, okay, who wants to be baptized? She's the only one. And so, so Jerry's about to wrap it up. He's like, okay, we're going to baptize one person. And the Lord just laid on my heart. I just went up to Jerry. I said, no, 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 there's more. I know it. The Lord's telling me they're afraid. And, uh, and so I addressed the people, and, and, and really they were afraid of the ocean because it had brought so much destruction, they were afraid to get into the water. Uh, and the Lord just gave me, I had no way of knowing, but the Lord gave me that discernment, and so, you know, able to go and, and so just talk to the people to say, listen, you're afraid, but this is an issue of obedience, and you know that God's calling you to do it. And I could see one guy in particular, God was all over him. You ever see a situation like that? God's all over somebody, and you get, I mean, he's just, he can't get, he's squirming in his seat, you know. That guy right there. And, uh, and so then he, as soon as, and he was just the, the trigger man. As soon as he raised his hand and said, yeah, I need to be baptized, it just went from there. And now, now you know, you had so many other people that responded. And it, it was something that God wanted to do. Jesus said this in Matthew 16. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's so encouraging for me that here 2,000 years later, we're continuing to do exactly what the disciples modeled for us. Because, the, because Paul went out and did the exact same thing that we went over to the Philippines and did. The exact same thing that we do here. Just discipled people, saw people that somebody else had been discipling, just being faithful to say, hey, here's what needs to happen. I just need to take the next step with you. And have you been baptized and giving that invitation? And indeed, in Acts 19, as we go through, and again, I'm just going through the history of the church here, we see that the Ephesian church was very much like Reliance Church. In the sense that, like us, they even met in a school. They met in the school of Tyrannus. And, and so there they were meeting, you know, for two years they met in a school. Uh, like us as well, God was changing the lives of the people in radical ways. Um, Acts 19 provides us with vivid examples. People who had practiced magic or were burning their books. And, and others were confessing their sins. And, and, and just like we experienced in our Thanksgiving Eve uh, service, many were giving testimonies of how God had worked in their life. And, and so the, the result was... You had this massive work of repentance, this massive work of, of discipleship taking place in the body of Christ there in the church of Ephesus, God doing a radical work. And, and so Paul pastored there for two years, which was a long time for Paul because he was a church planter. He was a missionary. God had called him uh, to, to go out uh, and to to. to share the gospel, and to plant churches, raise up godly men, plant churches, and then move on. And so when he stayed two years in Ephesus for Paul, that was, that was a long time. And uh, so <clears throat> as he was there for two years, he did what every good pastor should do. He discipled the people. He trained leaders. He raised up elders. And, and there's this very touching thing that happens in Acts chapter 20 where the time comes for Paul to leave and he, and he calls for the Ephesian elders uh, together to him uh, and it's the last time he's ever going to see them. And, and so it's just this tearful, tearful farewell and all. But as he meets with them, he basically says, listen, I want you to know and I want to I highlight this. I want to memorialize this. Uh, basically, listen, I've served you humbly through tears and trials, and, and I've kept nothing back from you that was good for you, but, I've, but I've, I've taught you publicly, I've taught you house to house, and he, and he said, listen, not only that, and not only have I taught you and been faithful to teach you through trials, but future trials await me, 
And, and, and he, he says this in, in Acts 20, 24, put it on the screen for you. He says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. This was his last words to him. And it's indeed the spirit of what we read now in Ephesians chapter one, as he's writing this letter to them 10 years later, it really rings of faithfulness. That's the idea. Because indeed, that's what he says to the saints in Ephesus and, the, and faithful in Jesus Christ. And so it's this, it's this thread of faithfulness that's woven throughout his whole time with them, throughout his farewell address to them, now through his letter to them 10 years later. Listen, faithfulness. And he's encouraging them. And basically, what we're going to see as we go through this is that Ephesians is comprised of six chapters, which can be divided neatly into two sections. The first three chapters look at our wealth in Christ, and the second three chapters look at our walk in Christ. But before we can get into either of those things, we must first answer the question, and I'm going to put this on the screen for you, and I want you to consider this, am I in Christ? Am I in Christ? That's the, that's the starting point. Several years ago, we were printing a church banner, and we went to the printer. We gave them the copy of the text that we wanted them to put on this banner, and it was Hebrews 12, 2, which begins, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so we gave him the, the text, and as the printer looked at the text that we gave him, he thought that it had a typo in it, and so he took the liberty of editing the text, and so he gave us the banner, and now the banner didn't say looking unto Jesus, it said looking into Jesus. Looking into Jesus changed the whole meaning entirely. He didn't understand looking unto Jesus, he understood looking into Jesus. And you know, the, the, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, when you talk about being in Christ, oftentimes people think in those terms. You know, yeah, I'm looking into Jesus, you know, I'm, I'm looking into him. Or, or, or they'll say, you know what, yeah, I'm, I'm into Jesus. You know, he, he fed the poor, he, he helped people, and, you know, I can ask him for stuff, and I can ask him for help, and yeah, I'm into that kind of thing. And the question isn't, hey, what are you into? The question is, are you in him? That's the question. See, because the Bible says you're either in Adam or you're in Christ, you're either in Adam or you're in Christ Jesus. Listen to how 1 Corinthians 15 puts it. It says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. In John's gospel, Jesus was visited by a man named Nicodemus. Turn, turn there with me. John chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 1. And it says this, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? He doesn't get it. And Jesus says to him, verse 5, Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and, and when you hear the, the sound of it, uh, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered, and he said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and you do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and Uh, And you do not receive our witness. And if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe it when I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And here it is, the most often read scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. See, here's the thing. Here's why this is so important. We are all born in Adam, and that is to say that we all inherit a sinful nature from Adam. We all inherit from Adam a separation from God. And what we need, just as Jesus told Nicodemus, is we need to be born again spiritually. We are physically alive, but spiritually, unless we are born again by the Spirit of God, we are dead to God. And we need to be made spiritually alive to God by being born again by Jesus Christ. Listen to how 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And listen, I, I make that my first point because right now, everyone here in this room is in one of two camps. You're in one of two places. You are either in Adam or you are in Jesus Christ. And you need to make a decision today. Will you be in Jesus Christ? Will you trust him for your salvation? He told Nicodemus, just as as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And the idea there, when Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, you may recall the story, so many people being bitten by these serpents, and they're going to die. And it's a symbol of how we have been bitten by the serpent, Satan, by sin, and we ourselves will die as well. And God did something interesting. He told Moses, Here, here's how you can heal the people. I want you to take a bronze snake, stick it on your staff, and lift it up and have everybody look to that. And if they look to that, they'll be saved. Well, this was a symbol of Christ. It's pointing to Jesus Christ. Bronze, that's bronze, that symbol of judgment. And, and, and that the snake, that symbol of, of, of sin, and it being on the staff, the symbol of Jesus Christ being 
as the Bible says, the propitiation for our sins, the substitute for our sins. He died on the cross for our sin in our place. And and as Jesus lifted up on the cross for you and me, the only hope for us to be set free from our sin is to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Not looking into Jesus, looking unto Jesus. Look unto Jesus and be saved. And for some of you here today, you haven't done that. Perhaps you've been trusting in your own works. Maybe you've been trusting in, in just, you know, whatever, your own philosophies. But the Bible says your only hope is to trust in him. And so the, the first thing is, man, am I in Christ? Am I, and, and by the way, for me, here's just my personal testimony where this is concerned. I was raised in a religious home. I was raised really to know Jesus Christ. But do you know, for so many years, my faith basically was wrapped around my understanding of if I do enough good works to outweigh my bad works, well, then I'm going to be right with God. And so I was always on this spiritual treadmill to where if, if, I, <clears throat> if I perform well enough, then I'll be pleasing to God. I'll be acceptable to God. If I do the good things that I'm supposed to do, then, then God will love me more. Well, then if I do bad things, then what does that mean? God loves me less? Well, that's the subtle thing that, that went through my mind. And I got to a place where I went, you know what? Forget it. Just forget it. I'm never, I, can't, I, can't, I can't do enough. I can't keep that up. And so I just lived however I was going to live. And then the Lord began to minister to my heart and I began to be able to understand as I got older the concept of grace, salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not of works. It's a faith in Jesus Christ. He's done the work. And friends, that's what I would say to you today that if you're trusting in your own capacity to honor God and that's the gauge of whether you're right with God or not or whether he's pleased with you or not, you're missing it. He loves you. He loves you with an unending love. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And it's Jesus' death on the cross in your place for your sin that makes you right with God, not the things that you will do. Now, that's not a license for you to live any way you want, but it changes dramatically your relationship with God. Now, your obedience isn't predicated on a obey so that God will love you. No, your obedience now comes from a place of saying, I want to obey because God loves me. It's a whole different dichotomy, a whole different, different, different thing. And so maybe today here you're in that place and, and, and in answering the question, am I in Christ? You would have to maybe answer the question, well, I'm into Christ, but I'm really not in Christ. And I would exhort you today, don't let this service end without just settling that with God. And I'll give you the opportunity right now, and I'll give you the opportunity at the end of the message, and it's just this simple. Just You could, right now where you're seating, saying, Lord, I want to be in you. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I want to give my life to you. If you believe that, and you just, you just have that conversation in your heart with God right this moment, you're saved. Jesus has saved you. Just surrender to him. Am I in Christ? And if indeed you are in Christ, then the next question you must answer is this. Are you faithful? Are you faithful? 
Again, this is what Paul says back in in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. He says, I'm writing to the saints who are in Ephesus, and, and there's the word, faithful in Christ Jesus. Faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, what does it mean to live a faithful life? That's a $100,000 question, isn't it? And, and it's like I said when, when we're anointing the deacons up here, faithfulness is something so many people think that they are and they ain't, you know? Faithfulness, it, what is it? What does it look like? Well, depending on who you ask about faithfulness, you'll get various answers about what faithfulness really is and what it isn't. And I'll tell you, probably one of the best definitions that I've ever heard of faithfulness uh, comes uh, from a guy named Fred Craddock. And basically, he, he, he describes this situation. He says that, you know, your life is like a $1,000 bill. And a lot of people think that faithfulness is that you have some grandiose sort of act of, of, of you know, sacrifice that, that you give to where you take that $1,000 bill and, and it's, it's this glorious, one big sacrificial kind of thing that you do with your life and that makes you faithful. And he says, that's not faithfulness. He said, really, what God has you do is take that $1,000 bill and go to the bank and cash it in for quarters. Yeah, you, ever, you, you ever seen somebody do this? I won a bet once when I was, when I was in, you know, young and single and I bet my roommate $600 bet. I won. He paid me in, in dollar coins. You know, I didn't care. I had 600 bucks. It was cool. But you know, he just, he paid, or you, you, sometimes you see on the news, people pay their taxes in coins because they're, they're mad. They want the person to have to count it out. And so this Fred Craddock guy, he's basically saying, look, really faithfulness is more like that, that you, that you take your life, this thousand dollar bill and, and you cash it in for, for 25 cent pieces, quarters. And, and, and he says, you know, it's, it's where you, you give those things out. Listen to this quote. I'll put it on the screen for you. Here's what he says. He says, usually living faithfully isn't glorious. It's done in little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It would be easy to go out in a flash of glory, but it's harder to live faithfully little by little over the long haul. I love that picture and that example because the thing is, is that faithfulness is something that we're called to do moment by moment. This instance, that instance, this other instance. I'll tell you a beautiful story. Again, this just from our trip to, to the Philippines and minister to the people. There was this, this boy named Jomar. I think we got a picture of him. You saw it from the baptism. This kid right here, Jomar. So Jomar, basically, he's, he's a little guy that, um, and he looks, he looks like he's about eight or nine years old, doesn't he? He's actually 13 years old. He hasn't, hasn't had a lot of nutrition, you know, growing up. Let me tell you about this kid. This, this, this little boy went around selling yam leaves. It's, uh, yam leaves are a, po- a popular spice in the Philippines. And so he was selling yam leaves, you know, and he would always come around. And Pastor Lemuel, who, who in uh, Lala Wigan, where we were staying, he's the pastor of the church there in Lala Wigan. And, and his wife, Pastor Lemuel's wife, loves this um, yam leaf spice. So she would always buy this spice from this kid. And finally, one day, she, she's like, you know, here's this little boy. He's always coming around selling, you know, this, this spice. She's, she says, son, what's your story? And so he began to share with her. His dad died when he was seven years old. 
And so immediately he went out to provide for his family. And the way he provided for his family was by selling yam leaves. Seven-year-old boy. That's what he did, just to be faithful, to take care of his mom, to support his family. And so, of course, they, they just, you know, <clears throat> adopted, not literally, but they just adopted the kid and, you know, take care of his family and their, their fixture there in the church and all. But here what you have is this, this little boy manifesting an attribute of God. 1 Corinthians 1.9 tells us that God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is faithful. He's called us to be faithful. And I'll tell you, I'm privileged to see evidences of faithfulness every day, you know, within the body here. By the way, the, the, the question for you and what I want you to be considering is, are you a faithful person or not? Are you being faithful to what God's called you to be or not? Are you being faithful with the gifts that God's called you to be faithful with or not? And I see men and women in our fellowship all the time being faithful, and, it, and it's comforting for me to see that, to where, you know, the, a man will be faithful to say, you know what, I need to be the spiritual leader of my home. I'm going to get into a Bible study, and I'm going to go to this Bible study because I need to be a man of God, and I need to grow in the faith. And if I'm a man of God, and if I will grow in the Word of God, then I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better father. I'm going to be a better employee. I'm going to be a better member of society. I'm going to be a better neighbor. I'm going to be a better friend because I know God better. And, and, and so to me, those examples, when I see a man being faithful to attend the Bible study that he's committed to or whatever it is, that this is those examples of the, that weekly just investing his life in faithfulness, that quarter being invested over and over again. Not rolling over and hitting the snooze button, but saying, no, I'm going to be faithful. This is something God's called me to do. Or being faithful to serve in the children's ministry or in a wanna ministry or being faithful to reach out to my neighbor and actually tell them about Jesus Christ. Being faithful to actually share my witness, to share my testimony. Being faithful to obey God as he convicts me in his word. Being faithful, I got a, I got a message this week from a man telling me, hey, listen, my marriage is in trouble and, and we need to get into counseling. Can I tell you that the majority of times when we are contacted for, you know, someone says, look, we need counseling. Can I tell you it's usually the woman? Can I tell you that that, 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 that is just a huge black eye to the man? Why is it, why is your wife got to call and take the lead? Why does your wife have to lead in this situation and say, hey, you know, uh, we're in trouble and, and the Bible says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors and so, hey, can, can we come and see you? Why has it got to be that way? Why is she being faithful and you're not? And I got a call and I was so encouraged. I'm like, yes. A man finally reaching out saying, you know what, my marriage is in, is in trouble and can we meet you for counseling? You bet you can. Absolutely. Faithfulness. You know, I see, you know, people showing faithfulness in, in so many different ways. Giving. Just faithfully of their tithe. Do you know that just when we talk about tithing, it's biblical. The Bible commands us that we are to give to God faithfully because he faithfully gives to us. And we have no problem saying, God, please provide for me. God, please, I need, you know, financial provision. 
And, and when I look in the mirror and I look at most of you, God's faithful. He's providing for you, for crying out loud. You know, and so many times, we're not. We're not faithful. When you, you know, just statistically, you look across the, the, the nation, 20% of the people give 80% of the money. Can I tell you, Reliance Church, it's less than that? It's less than that. That's just the truth. And see, here's the thing about being faithful. You either are or you ain't. You're either faithful or you're not. I remember in one counseling situation, I had a guy, he'd been unfaithful to his wife and I'm talking to him and the guy is looking at me, he looks me square in the eye and he has the audacity to, to, to brag about he'd been, fa- I'd been faithful to her for 25 years. I'm like, yeah, and then you weren't. What does that make you? You're unfaithful. See, faithfulness, man, am I faithful? It's one of those things that we think we are, but faithfulness is something that we need to continue to to do, to be, to manifest. Jesus told a parable about these servants that had been given talents, now, a, a, a talent, te- technically, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a measure of weight, and it, it, it spoke of, of a, a coin, that the, depending on the weight of the coin, de- de- depended on how much it was, but the, the word fits so well, because God has given to each one of us talents as well. The, the, it, it, talents and treasures and time, and it all fits into our talents, what God has given to us. So Jesus tells this parable and he basically says, you know, if I can paraphrase him, he says some people were faithful with it and some people weren't. One guy went out and buried it. And Jesus said to the guy who went out and buried it, you wicked and lazy servant. Man, that's a scary thought. Because how many times has God blessed me with a talent and I do nothing with it for him? Do nothing with it. Bury that thing. God's like, well, what? I, I gave you that gift. I, I expected you to, to use that gift. It's Christmas season. You know, the, 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 the season that gave birth to re-gifting. You know, you get a gift and, and you get it. And you, sometimes, you know, you just give it to somebody else. I, somebody actually once gave me a gift and I opened the card and it said to, and it was directed to the person that gave it to me. I'm like, oh, I just got re-gifted here, you know? This guy didn't even re-gift it. He buried his talent. God's sitting up there going, you know, if I gave you a gift, don't you think that I actually thought this through. I gave you something that I wanted you to use, that I wanted you to invest. He buried it. Now, to the men who didn't bury it, to the men who used their gifts, the men who used their talents wisely as good stewards, what did the Lord say to them? He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let me ask you, what's God going to say to you when you stand before him? Will he say that you are faithful? 
And listen, it's God you're giving account to. You ain't giving account to me. You can, you can snowball it. You can, you, can, you can market it any way you want. You can package it up real nicely and give me all sorts of slick reasons about yes, no, maybe, this is why. And God's going to be the one who's up there going, look, you ain't getting nothing by on me. I know the truth. It, it, it's a simple question. Are you faithful? And for some of you, that's, that's it. That's the word right there for you. Go home, bust it. Just go home and take a walk with that because that's God's word for you. You haven't been faithful. Am I faithful? Hey, here's the third question, and I'll, I'll close on this final question. Am I living in the will of God? Am, am I living in God's will right now in my life? See, Paul starts this out. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Now, I'll go quickly through this because this isn't what I want to focus on. But there's a difference between the office of an apostle and the ministry of an apostle. Uh, The office of the apostles is closed. It's occupied by the 12 disciples that were hand-selected by Jesus Christ uh, and and all. And so when Paul speaks of being an apostle, uh, he's he's talking about the office that he holds as an apostle. Now, that ain't open to anybody else. But there's also such a thing as the ministry of an apostle. The Bible speaks in places like 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, uh, about the ministry of an apostle. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And the basic definition of the ministry of an apostle is one who has an apostolic gifting to, to start churches. You know, this is a guy who goes where no active work exists and he initiates it. He's a guy that, that gathers people, that trains leaders, that organizes the work. And at the end of the day, there's a healthy church that has been planted. This is, this is one of the gifts that God's given me, one of the calling that he has on my life. This is just what he's called me to do. And, and so this is what I'm obedient to do. This is one of those talents that, hey, I can't bury this thing. I have to be faithful to respond obediently to how God's gifted me uh, and all. But, but here's what I want you to see, and here's what I want to focus on and really just dial into here. Paul also speaks of the faithfulness of the saints in Ephesus. You know, to the saints who are in Ephesus, faithful in Christ Jesus. And here's where he's going. We're going to get into this in the weeks to come. But Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, put on the screen. Here's what Paul says. He says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. And here's the point. The point is that whatever your gifting may be, listen to me, whatever your gifting is, however God has gifted you, the talents that he's given to you, Whatever your gifting may be, if you're going to overcome adversity and live a life that's resistant to the attack of the enemy, as Paul exhorted the Ephesian elders, remember, he says, listen, I've been through all kinds of, of, of hardship, all kinds of trial, all kinds of hardship and trial await me, but none of these things move me. 
And you know, here's the thing where Paul's going with this. He's, he, he's talking about, man, we're his workmanship. He says in Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so often what happens, and Pastor, Pastor Scott taught on this last week, is that we are the king of excuses. We are the queen of excuses. And things happen in our lives, and, and we sort of have all of these reasons and all of these excuses and all of these convenient things for why I wasn't faithful to do that which God called me to do, but what we have to understand is that God has called us to play our part in the body of Christ. And really, if you, if you just want to sum up the, 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 the entire book of, of Ephesians, just it's all about the body of Christ. That's what it's about. It's all about the body of Christ. And we, Paul says, are his workmanship. The word is, po- is poem basically in the Greek. We're his work of art. And as a work of art, as a poem, each word fits in a precise place. You fit here at Reliance Church in a precise place. And if you bury that gift, there's a hole. There is a lack. There is a less than that we could be as the body of Christ. That's the big idea. We have to be faithful men and women of God who play our part, who play our role. And will you notice in 1 Peter 2.5, what Peter says, he says, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And notice there, he calls us living stones. Here's the idea. The idea is that our addition to the church of Christ is something that we live out. It's something that we put feet on. There's a reason why every Sunday we pray, uh, Lord, let us not be hearers only, but help us to be doers of the word. Let not what happens here be academic. Let it be athletic that I can go out and do this thing that God's called me to do. Why? Because we are living stones. We're supposed to live it out. And those stones are all built to go together into a spiritual temple, into a cohesive work that God wants to do. Every stone is critical to the ongoing work of God. Several weeks ago, I was putting together a message in Daniel as we were going through it. I'm there in my, in my study at home, working on the message. And God spoke to me. The news is coming in from the Philippines. And God spoke to me and he said, you need to go. And immediately what goes through my mind is all the reasons why I can't. All the reasons why, well, you know, God, I, I've got, in case you didn't know it, God, I got a church that I have to pastor, you know, and we got Thanksgiving services coming up. And, you know, I, I, I have to teach the Thanksgiving service and, I, and I've got all these things. And God says, no, right now, I need you to put together a team. I need you to go to the Philippines. That's what I need you to do. It was one of those clear things. God just said, go. And I'm thinking, oh, come on. It's a huge disaster, God. You know, how many thousands of people are going to respond to this thing? And and really, you know, I I got a thousand people right here at home that I can minister to, that I have to take care of. God said, how do you think that those people get over there? 
How do you think all those thousands of people respond? I call them one by one, and I'm calling you. Listen, every stone is critical to the work that God wants you to do. Here's my big point in case you missed it. There's a work God's called you to do. It's a work that God wants you to do. And if you're not obeying him, it ain't getting done. And, and, and you know, okay, there's a day you're going to give an account for that. I mean, you are going to stand before God and give an account for that. I mean, that, that's a motivator. Here's another motivator. Things that God wants to do through you aren't getting done. That's huge. Hebrews 12.1. Verse right before looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Hebrews 12.1 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles... And let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. Listen, he, there's a race that he's marked out for you. And, and I wonder, are you running it? I want to close with a video recap of what happened in the Philippines. And, and I want you to watch this through, the filter, through this filter. The filter is, God called us to do something. This is what happens when people respond. There are five of us that went on this trip. Take a look. Her nanny was catastrophic. It was actually a lot worse than I had anticipated. In actuality, it's forgotten. It's one of the cities, the second most affected by the typhoon, but not the most heard about. And to actually set foot there, it was devastating. Not only to be able to see it and smell it and feel it, but just to be amongst the rubble and the people who are suffering there was a great travesty for me. It was hard for me and uh, to actually understand. Um, it was hard to swallow, considering. Sorry. The fact that the people who were affected really didn't have much to begin with, and to see that um, everyone was reduced to, to nothingness. So we're just blessing with these families with water, something we take for granted every day here. We're just bringing them a, an amazing blessing. Just an honor to be a part of it, and that God would use us in such a special way to uh, just bring love and. Uh, sharing to these families and uh, something that's desperately needed for, for their health and safety. It's good. We're here in the city of Hernani. This is in Barangay number three. Uh, and uh, this is the church that was destroyed here. Uh, and our plan here is to help them to rebuild this church. Um, and it's rubble right now. The foundation is even gone. Uh, but the plan and the hope is that we can help them rebuild their church, uh, to rebuild a two-story structure where the pastor can be on the, the top floor and the church can assemble uh, in the bottom floor. Uh, this entire town is wiped out. Uh, there's literally years of rebuilding here. 
Um, and, uh, and so it's a great opportunity for us to continue the work uh, that God had already started. Hey, we're here in Lollawigan, and uh, this is where U-Turn for Christ has their, their central base of operations. And the guys from Mercy Chefs came out with us on this trip, and uh, they are they brought a couple of water purification systems. And so this is uh, one uh, that treats uh, 60 gallons of water uh, per hour. Uh, provides a, a ton of clean drinking water and so they're installing one of these systems here and uh, that's what we're going to be working on today. So today we're here at the U-Turn Bible School and unfortunately one of the effects of the typhoon was the destruction of the kitchen which totally just collapsed and was demolished by the winds and the water and so what needs to be done is to restore it to operational status and that would entail uh, digging this huge trench which means moving tons of dirt and unfortunately because there are no tools and um, no power tools can be used here because there's, been, there's no electricity it has to be done by hand so as you can see a lot of the efforts are sweat power we're at a, a prison uh, and uh, we're proclaiming the gospel to the prisoners here in, uh, in the local prison. Uh, these prison cells are, are incredible in the sense that there's maybe 7 foot by 8 foot wide prison cell and they have as many as 15, 20 prisoners forced into to each cell. So the, the space is at an incredible premium. Uh, unlike the states where they just release the prisoners when there's overcrowding, here they just keep pressing them in. Uh, so the gospel is being preached right now to the prisoners. I thank you for taking my sins. Thank you for taking my sins. Casting them away. We're buying candy for the kids. Uh, and uh, we're going to uh, bless the kids in this uh, little barong in here by uh, just passing the, kids, the candy out to them and we're going to use the opportunity to preach the gospel as well. It's a good time. Dear Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. I give my life to you. That was amazing. Yeah, anytime you can preach the gospel to the kids and uh, let them know about Jesus and give them candy as well, it's a blessing. <laughs> Pastor John was doing a message today about being not just hearers but doers of the word and clearly a vision of a baptism came to me even in the in the midst of the Pacific Ocean and it was so amazing because during the, the end when Pastor Jerry exhorted the, the people who wants to be baptized we will have a baptism today and all but one woman raised her hand and uh, it was amazing because the Lord was saying there's more they're just afraid and truthfully what it is is they were afraid of the water they're afraid of what uh, disaster it's brought and um, but slowly and surely Pastor Ted came up and said no you're afraid come up and surely there was more hands that came up and so today we're having a baptism in Jesus Christ and we had a lot of people just rededicate their lives to the Lord and profess through their baptism that they are His.
Are you being faithful? I'm blessed that we had so many people just faithfully serving the Lord and making that happen. There's so much more that God wants to do. It's all dependent on whether you and I will say, Lord, I will be faithful. That's the question. Are you going to be faithful or not?